Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And I am coming to you today from a coffee shop in Montreal, Quebec. And I am with the co-founder of Podfly, Corey Coates. Corey, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks, Tom. Great to be on the show. So I, when I knew I was coming to Montreal, one of the things I wanted to do was meet with Corey in person. I've been working with Podfly since the very beginning of the show. They help sponsor my show. And Corey is a really fascinating guy who is doing cool things. So Corey, give us a little bit of a background about how you started Podfly. And obviously, podcasts, I mean, that's the hot ticket right now. Tell me a little bit about how you got into this business. Thanks, Tom. I've been an audio engineer for about 10 years now and went out of professional music production and radio production into podcasting maybe eight years ago because I had my own podcast and I was the program director for an online radio station. We were working with about 25 podcasts and live radio shows around the world and eventually it became that a lot of people were coming to me asking, hey, can you produce my podcast? And it didn't fit the format of the radio show. So it kind of spawned this company and a friend of mine and I co-founded Podfly maybe about a year and a half ago and it's just been blowing up ever since. So you started off sort of in the music industry. You told me that you were a guitar player. What led you from playing guitar to becoming this entrepreneur in this hot space of podcasting? Age, uh, you get old and uh, the rock star dream starts to fade a little bit and you realize that, hey, I'm playing in a bar somewhere out in Western Canada on a Tuesday night and uh, that can cause a man to stop and reflect and look at his life a little bit and wonder, how can I create something that's going to still be within the industry that I love, but be more stable and more dependable? And uh, I started going, into the studio end of things a lot more because I do love audio engineering. And a friend of mine was actually doing a radio production house that I got involved with, and it's still running today. It's called Overnight Radio. And it was super revolutionary because what he was doing was he was taking radio scripts and turning them into radio ads in 24 hours. And in that time period, that was in the late 90s, it was unheard of to have a virtual company turn around you know, radio copy that fast. So I was doing audio editing and working with him, and the company really inspired me to start Podfly. It wasn't until many years later that I started Podfly, but that was actually something that was an inspiration to me. It's like, here's a guy who's working in an industry that he loves. He's making great money doing it, providing a service that is much needed at a very discounted rate at an incredible turnaround time. And he completely revolutionized the entire production industry of radio houses. So, you know, for me, that's where I went and I said, gosh, there's got to be a way I can get out of this bar, out of this van, into a studio and look like him, you know, sitting there drinking my tea in the morning, feeling calm, responding to emails and working with clients. And that was kind of where it all started. I said, I got to get out of this van, off the road, into the studio and into something that's got maybe more growth to it. So podcasting has become sort of one of the hottest things right now. I mean, you can't open up a newspaper or go online and and read about marketing and things without seeing podcasting. Uh, Do you think that you were, you know, in the right place at the right time? Or are you this smart that you saw this trend coming? It was a combination of there was an organic moment that we had definitely with the company. It was last year that we really introduced the company at the podcast movement down in Austin, Texas, or in in Dallas, I think at that time it was. And uh, for us, we came into the industry not really knowing how big the market might be. And of course, we were super overwhelmed. Um, We got a lot of business very, very quickly because we realized that what we're doing is exactly what a lot of people are looking for. And that's the post-production of their audio, either because they don't have the savvy to do it themselves or they don't have the time. You know, so in each of those scenarios, we found that there's an enormous number of people that if you provide high value 
um, are going to jump on board quickly. So I think it was a timing thing in the market, but it was also that you know the podcast industry is still very small, still very narrow, still very clicky. And within this community, if you've got the credibility and you do quality work, you're going to grow. So I met you at Podcast Movement in Dallas last year, and you know, we were talking about this before we started this interview. I would come by the booth like every two hours with a question, you know, because I was so worried about signing a contract with someone who was going to screw me over. And I would come up and say, "Well, what if we part ways? Who owns this? And and what about my intro? You know, you helped me create it, but is that mine to keep?" And what impressed me was I was dreaming up like all the worst case scenarios of working with you. And every time I came by the booth, you gave the right answer. It was it was everything I wanted. Wanted to do and and I am my friends know I'm really skeptical of a lot of vendors because I've been screwed over by a lot of people I've worked with in, in my own career. You not only gave me the right answers when you were there selling, but you also gave the right answers every time that you know we've worked together. Now coming up on a year, so what is it that you take when it comes to being like really good at customer service? Because clearly Podfly, you know head and shoulders above most companies I've worked with. Where does that come from that that is so important to you? The initial idea of the company was to build a scale but still be boutique. Because at the end of the day, what we're talking about is people and their personal messages, which is a huge deal. This is literally your voice into your audience's ear. This is nothing that can be easily mechanized. This has to be something that has to be handled with care. Because it's no different than if you were a writer and you were hiring us as your editor. I need to know you. I need to understand you and relate to you so I can help you deliver your message to the best of our ability. And the best way to do that is keep communication high. The second thing I think was that you were a bit of a pain in the butt coming to our booth, but I appreciate that. I love when customers hammer on me, but I think you realized in a real hurry that my philosophy has always been a company that makes you sign a contract is also the type of company that loves to enforce that contract. And that's never been my philosophy. I don't like terms. I like to go month to month with people, keeping a thermometer in our relationship and iterating and making sure that it's working best for both of us. And that's that boutique angle again. So for me, I think we found that a lot of the success is that people can still pick up the phone, dial a number, and I'm going to answer it or my co-founder is going to answer it, or one of my sales guys is going to answer it. And if you want to get through to your engineer, or you want to talk to whoever's doing your copy, or you want to talk to anybody in the company, we allow you direct access to that person, but because we believe we don't want to be the firewall between the customer and the product. We want to be actually the facilitator to get this thing delivered and sounding its best. And the best way to do it is delivering a level of trust, I think, that is only accomplished by communication and a high level of communication. Well, and the editor that's been assigned to me has been absolutely fantastic to work with. In fact, everybody I've encountered with your company has been fantastic. How do you go about finding people who have that same level of commitment that you do? It's funny because um, I used to run a company down in Central and South America where I ran a virtual team. And I had 150 people under my, under my staff at, at one given time. And for me, it always boiled down to developing face-to-face relationships. It's super easy to get online and meet qualified, certified audio engineers, as an example. And they come beating down our door because they want to work for us. And we can audition them, we can listen to their stuff and everything. But still, if I don't have that in-the-flesh experience with you and get to know you as a person, I don't know if I can work with you ultimately. Because I really have always had the best success with the audio engineers that we get to know each other. There's something different when you sit down. You know you get hired in a company, and that first time you go out for your first drink with the boss, or you sit down, you have a cup of coffee with your supervisor, and you all of a sudden realize that this is a human being who wakes up in the morning, puts on their pants, and goes about their life and has the same hopes and fears and dreams that you and I do. If I can have that with my team, it creates this sense of family. So that now they're not just looking out for pleasing their supervisor. i got to make sure Corey's happy with what I'm doing. 
they're pleasing their client because they want Podfly to be well-respected as a company. And everything they're doing then becomes a reflection of their work, and they take pride in that for their client. So that's one of the things that I always made sure happened, is that, for example, with you, Tom, you get to speak to your editor as much as you want, because I want you to know that he cares a lot about what you're doing. When he's doing your show, he's thinking about it, he's listening to it, and it matters to him what's happening there, as opposed to, I have an agreement with this company, and some guy somewhere is doing what he's supposed to do, quote unquote, as opposed to some guy somewhere is doing something because he cares about cool things entrepreneurs do as a show. So, Corey, what do you absolutely love about the life of being an entrepreneur? I mean, you've created sort of an interesting life for yourself. What, what makes you just say, wow, this is the right thing for me every day? Uh, freedom. You know what? It's funny. Being on the show even, I really don't like the word entrepreneur to describe what I'm doing. I'm a small business owner at the end of the day. You know, I have a company that's staffed by 12 people. People. And I have a small client base and that's what it is. It's a business. So that's, I wake up every day and think of myself as a small business owner as opposed to an entrepreneur. And yes, as an entrepreneur, I'm out solving problems and I'm trying to grow something and create an industry that might not have been there. But ultimately, it's the freedom that it creates. I love waking up every day and having in front of me a list of things that I need to accomplish, but I don't have to accomplish them on someone else's watch. You know, I don't have to be in a place at nine o'clock, you know, looking a certain way to do it under someone else's standards. I create the standard. And by listening to my customers and my clients, it creates the standard for me. It's so, I guess one of the things I love about being an entrepreneur is it gives me the liberty to choose, hey, where do I want to live? How do I want to go about this? I can build the lifestyle at the same time that I build the business so that ultimately they become a symbiosis. One really is working well for the other. For me to be in a good place in my life means that I'm going to be running a good company and vice versa. If I'm running a good company, it puts me in a good place in my life. So creating that symbiosis is something that being an entrepreneur allows you to do. Working for a company, maybe not necessarily. Is it extra exciting to be in a business that's hot like podcasting? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you see the press, right, it helps. When you're reading the Wall Street Journal and there's an article on podcasting or more and more people are using it in common vernacular or talking about podcasts. One of the things that's funny is that, you know, even here living in Montreal, I'm a single guy, but I'm enjoying, of course, the dating scene in Montreal. And one of the things that I've noticed is that when I'm going on dates and people ask me what I do and I say, I'm a podcast producer, they know now what I'm talking about. You know, as a year or two ago, they're like, what's a podcast? And I'd have to explain, well, it's kind of like an online radio show. Nowadays, they're like, oh, podcast. Yeah, here's my favorite ones. And they flip through their phone. And it's nice because even as a podcast producer, they understand. It's like, well, this is obviously a program. It's a show. Somebody's probably producing it. So it makes sense that you are a guy that does that. So I think that's one of the things that's exciting about the, the industry right now is that I don't have to tell my mom and dad what I do. They get it. So what is it about being this you know, entrepreneur or small business owner? What is it that you don't love? There's got to be days where you wake up and think, wow, it would be so much better to work for a company and just get a check. Yeah. Well, when you're responsible for people's livelihood, and I think that's one of the things that weighs heavy on a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs is that I have full-time staff. This is what they do for a living. And every time we do payroll and every time it goes out, we have to consider, okay, this is somebody's not just beer in the fridge. This is their rent. This is feeding their kids. This is something that has an impact on their life every single day. And suddenly as a company begins to grow, you start to lose these touch points with folks. You realize as it gets bigger, you have to have faith that the system you're running is working. You have to have faith that the people that are doing the work are doing their best. But at the same time, you have to sometimes worry, gosh, are they 
waking up every day worried about whether or not this is the career path for them. Are they thinking about if I'm making enough money? All of these little things now start nicking at you. Whereas if I just had a job, I don't care that Kathy in the conference room doesn't like her job and she's not making her rent. Not my problem. I'm in my cubicle doing what I got to do. So that's the thing is the worry. And also as an entrepreneur and a small business owner, we're the last people to get to the food tray. You know, we're the ones who get paid last. Everyone gets paid first. And look, I mean, there's been months where we get to the food tray and there's just scraps. There's nothing left. But it's rewarding to know that everyone who did hard work to get us there is getting paid well and getting paid first. Well, I have a lot more questions for you, Corey. But first, I got to thank my sponsor. And that's actually you. So thank you. Oh, so this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. So Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. So I'm sure that this episode is going to sound extra amazing because my editor, Scott, is going to be like, oh gosh, my boss is on this show. And they're doing it from a coffee shop and there's a baby two tables away and they're constantly grinding beans and doing things. And it's still going to sound amazing based on what we're giving them. So uh, Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content and growing your audience and interviewing cool people like Corey Coates. For an exclusive offer to the cool things entrepreneurs do listeners, visit podfly.net slash cool things. And by the way, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, from the beginning, you have been a real big supporter of mine and of the show. I will tell you that there would be no show if I hadn't met you at Podcast Movement because I'm not a technical guy and it would have driven me crazy to try and figure out how to, you know, if not totally edit out, at least sort of lessen those cups clinking in the background. And you guys make all that happen. So thank you. You're very welcome. I mean, this is fun for us. This is what we love to eat, sleep and breathe every day. So we're so happy to have you on board. So, you know, we've talked about what you love about being an entrepreneur, maybe what you don't like so much. So if someone's listening to this show and and they have an idea and they want to go start something, I mean, Podfly is on fire right now. You're doing great stuff. You have a ton of shows you're producing, but you only started it a year and a half ago. What if somebody has a dream to start something that's going to take off in in any industry? What advice do you have for them? Well, I mean, the first thing is that... um you have to learn how to sweep the floor, okay? I know a lot of people who get into an industry because it's hot and they think that they might be able to do something with it. They train up on it and then they start coaching it. If you're not willing to do all of the dirty work yourself, don't even start. Uh, because when I started this company, look, I did a lot of the audio editing myself until it got too much to manage so that I could afford to hire on a part-time editor. So understanding that you're playing this long game and be willing to play the game. For me, it meant that I had to do my own accounting. I had to set up my own website. I had to do my own customer service. So a lot of us as these starting entrepreneurs are the, I think it's called solopreneur, right? Where we have to do a lot of everything out of the gate until we grow to a point that we can't manage it ourselves. If you're not willing to do everything on the way, don't start in the first place. That's my first piece of advice. And if you don't love what it is that you have to do, because I love audio editing, I'm passionate for it. So going through a podcast and making it sound better and and editing it up and getting it out there and knowing that people are enjoying it, that really gets me off. That gets my motor cranking. So for me, that's something that I looked forward to. Even those long days, there were days, Tom, where I had to edit 10, 12 shows to get them out the door because my part-time editor was sick or wasn't going to be able to do it. I've been sitting in airports or in hotel rooms with headphones on struggling to get something out to the client. And if you're not willing to make that sacrifice and say to to your wife or your kids or to your girlfriend or your mom or whoever, look, I'm going to be working for the next 18 hours today because I've taken on so much work I have to get it out the door. If you're not willing to do that because you love it, then you might not make it as far as someone who does. So a lot of people who listen to this show, you know, think about starting a podcast. They either have a small business or they're dreaming of starting a small business 
business. So there's there's a lot of talk out there that, oh, start a podcast and get rich. And you and I both know that that's probably not the truth. So let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about what's going on in podcasting. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, don't start a podcast to make money. That's a terrible business plan. Um, it could potentially be something as an additional revenue stream down the road. But podcasting is a long game. You know, you have to slow grow your audience. And the thing is, is that most podcasters cap out about four or 500 listeners to their show. And if you're comfortable with that, then you're going to do well. So I think just, again, setting those expectations is key. And you know, you're a speaker. If I get four or 500 people into a room, for 45 minutes, once or twice a week, I'm doing something right. For some reason, though, we feel like if I'm only getting four or 500 people to come on and listen to my show twice a week, I'm doing something wrong. What's wrong with having four or 500 people that are loyal listeners to your show? So I think that's the first thing that you need to understand is that you're going to be probably small ball for a good period of time unless you have marketing dollars to put behind it, you know? Social media is kind of ineffective. You can put stuff on Twitter and you're going to get some hits and stuff. But at the end of the day, the only way that you're going to succeed in this industry is having agency. Either agency that you can afford to buy, and that's maybe a marketing department that's going to get this in front of listeners. Or more importantly, and this is the thing about podcasting, is agency via listeners referring you to other people. When you think about every podcast that might be on your phone, how many of those podcasts where someone told you, Tom, hey, you should check out this show, you'd really like it. Almost all of the podcasts on my phone are that. And that's where the growth comes from, is the moment when you stop talking about yourself and someone else starts talking about you as your agent, that's when your podcast starts to really grow and start taking off. And that's really interesting because that's actually every podcast on my list is one where somebody, I either met the person, I heard them speak, or I heard them on another podcast and I went and checked it out. I don't think there's any that I found organically through search. And I've been starting to get more and more letters from people who said, oh, I heard you when you were on, you know, John Lee Dumas's show or something like that. And I checked out your podcast and I liked it and I stayed. Or people tell me I listen to your podcast because my neighbor listens to your podcast. And so I decided to download it. So you bring up a really interesting point in that though, that you said that, you know, as a speaker, if I could twice a week have an audience of 400, I mean, for what I do, that's my dream, right? I mean, that's like the perfect business is to be giving two keynotes a week. I, I do a lot with uh, users conferences and a lot of those are about 500 people, but sometimes I get invited to like a big conference and one organization in the insurance industry said to me, you know, oh, we just want you to do our first timers reception. We want you to do a keynote before the first timers cocktail party. And the guy apologized to me because he was an 8,000 person or 10,000 person citywide conference. And he said, we only get four or 500 people at the first timers event. And I said, heck, I call that a keynote because most of my users conferences and things I speak to are four or 500 people. So to me, that's great. You know, a first timers event with 500 people, that's a wonderful keynote for me. So I hadn't actually thought about that in regards to my podcast, but you're right. Those numbers should be exciting to people. So as people are looking, I mean, how do you get started with a podcast if someone's listening besides going to podfly.net slash cool things and checking out the offer? How does someone really get started? It's super easy, honestly. If you're comfortable with audio, then you're going to be okay. The programs and software that's out there today, they're still a little bit tedious to navigate, but we're sitting here in a coffee shop right now. You're on a portable recorder with a microphone. It's going to sound excellent. And getting that out on the internet's really not that hard. If you can do a website, like actually just get maybe a blog going, you can just as easily do a podcast. It doesn't take a lot of savvy. And you don't have to pay thousands of dollars to take all of these coaching programs to learn how to do it, because ultimately, 
Finally, you can just jump on YouTube and you can find some incredible video tutorials. I'm a subscriber to lynda.com, you know, great service, great site that has all of these tutorials and incredible courses that are put together. You can go through one of these courses and you're paying like $29 a month for the membership. Learn how to do a little bit of audio editing, get comfortable with it, get it out on the internet. It's a piece of cake. I mean, honestly, it's just, it's hit record and go. Well, and what I've learned is you learn along the way. So we're sitting here in a coffee shop and I don't have my script of questions and we're just kind of having a conversation, you know, like two friends that we are, but I couldn't have done this 90 episodes ago. I'm, I'm quickly approaching the 100 episode and I couldn't have done this, you know, last year. So a lot of it, it's like being a professional speaker. People always say, wow, you know, you're so comfortable on stage. Well, I've given over 500 professional level talks on stage. And what I'm learning with the podcast is you got to start somewhere and you got to realize you're not going to be as good. If you went back and listened to my first episode, it's not nearly as good as some of the episodes I'm doing these days. And I imagine next summer, people will be like, wow, how did you get so good? Well, 200 episodes is better than 100 episodes is better than one episode. So I think that, you know, getting started, I believe is, is sort of that key. Do you think that podcasts work for any industry, for any topic? I don't know about any industry, any topic. I mean, I'm working with a lot more clients now that are actually doing B2B podcasts, which are really fascinating. And some that are doing internal podcasting as well, using it as a way to sort of disseminate a message within an organization. You know, I'm working with a major computer company right now, and they're doing a podcast only for their internal staff of 80,000 people. And they're making it exclusive to them. And you'd think, well, then it's not really a podcast, is it? You're just distributing audio. It's like, well, it is because they get to internally subscribe to it by definition definition it still as a podcast. So can anybody do it for any industry? I'd say almost yes, because if you have something to say and there's someone who's willing to listen to what you have to say, then it can certainly be a podcast. It's just audio at the end of the day. So one of the questions I love to ask all my guests, because we could talk about podfly.net all day long, but I think the best entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask people who come on the show, who's someone out there who you've observed who's doing something totally cool that maybe isn't your company or your industry? Wow, that's a great question because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs as my clients. And you know what's funny? I just thought about John Lee Dumas right now because uh, we were working on a show that he was on recently. And he had mentioned how he's really focusing on health and nutrition and finding these new balances in his energy by doing intermittent fasting and uh, taking these nutritional supplements and doing all this kind of cool stuff. And I'm starting to really get into it. I've gone vegan now like five days a week and then I cheat on the weekends. And I'm starting to think about doing intermittent fasting and cleansing a little bit. And uh, that's one thing that I'm really fascinated by is I'm seeing more and more entrepreneurs. I don't know if I have someone specific, but many of the entrepreneurs that I know now are really focusing on health are really looking at nutrition and looking at what their energy levels are as a result of it. So that's kind of the thing that I'm finding fascinating in the industry is people get to a certain point. We, we think of entrepreneurs as these guys just chugging down coffee, grinding it out, typing on the plane. And now I'm seeing more and more focusing on a balanced lifestyle, working hard, working effective, not multitasking anymore, you know, just single tasking on things, doing things really well, and then shutting it down and going for a run, eating something healthy, spending time with their family, you know? So for me, that's kind of the thing that I'm seeing is this huge trend in people going, I'm going to live to about 55 if I just go on this burnout path. I'm going to live to 105 though if I do the slow and steady wins the race. So I think that's one of the things I've just been noticing in the industry is a lot of people going, I have to focus on me first and how my business can be part of me and create that symbiosis between the two. And I think you're right. I think that is a common thing. And I know I've been sort of accidentally focused on better health. I, you know, I'm on the road all the time. So you end up eating a lot of, you know, pizza. It's a hut in the airport and, you know, 
and I'm kind of one who drinks a lot of coffee. And all of a sudden, I, I just wasn't feeling well for a couple months. And so part of it was I cut out coffee, I cut out drinking. And what's interesting is, is I lost a bunch of weight and I'm feeling better. Uh, I haven't totally solved, you know, the issue that was going on, but you know, the doctor thinks I'm going to live. So that's a good, that's a good sign. But it's, it's really focusing on that health becomes part of that lifestyle because I travel so much. So I, I think that's actually a great observation. Hey, the other question I love to ask people is, I don't think great entrepreneurs are just observers. I also think they want to give back. They want to leave a mark. I think some of the best people out there who are running businesses want to do more than just get a paycheck. They want to leave a mark on society. So what do you do to give back to the greater good? I'm really glad you asked that because we actually just initiated, and I don't like this term social responsibility, but we've initiated our social responsibility program in Podfly. And I just put the feelers out there within some of the podcasting communities of anyone who knows, and I'm glad you're bringing this up on the show because we're still taking submissions now for people who have a charity or an organization that would love to have a podcast to help distribute the message, but doesn't have the time, the savvy, or the money to do it. We're going to be doing these productions for free. So we're going to take 10% of all of our podcast production services and be giving it away to charitable organizations. There's one that looks really intriguing right now. It's a CrossFit high school youth organization, inner city thing where they want to get the kids into CrossFit after school. They think it'd be cool to have a podcast. So we're going to look at doing the production for that and a couple of others that are coming down the pipe. So if your listeners actually have something they think is going to be appropriate for that, reach out to us at podfly.net. And that's what we're going to be doing because I think the best thing that we can do is do what we do very well to help somebody else get their message out there via podcasting. Corey, thank you so much for being on the show. It was so much fun when I reached out to you and said, I'm going to be in Montreal. I I would love to meet and I'd love the chance to interview live. Thank you to Second Cup Coffee for uh, letting us steal this corner booth and and create this this great podcast for everybody. For those of you who are listening, you know, I really appreciate those of you who tune in because without the listeners, I always say there would be no show. Now, Corey, if somebody wants to find out more about you or about Podfly, how do they find you? Podfly.net, easiest way to go. And uh, I'm super Googleable, so you can just Google Corey Coates and, and I'll show up. Excellent. And I am going to go off and explore the great city of Montreal today. So thank you for meeting me for coffee. And we're going to be back in a couple of days with another episode. In the meantime, go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.